Welcome to Sky Team's People First with Morag Barrett. So my guest this week is my friend and colleague, Colin Goutry, who is an author of seven books on influential leadership, a leader's guide to getting things done, and is a subject matter expert who has been sought out by many of the FTSE 100 companies in the practical use of power and influence in large organizations. He is a sought out top level coach, trainer, and mentor for C-suite executives around the world. And I am honored to have benefited from his wisdom and our friendship over the years. So Colin, Welcome. Delighted to be here, and it has been quite a number of years now since we first connected. So great to great to be a demonstration of the power of networking and maintaining relationships over a long period of time. So Absolutely. delighted to be here. Well, as we say, businesses, personal relationships matter. And I remember how we got in touch as my first book, Cultivate, was coming out. And it is, it's a testimony to have the courage because behind the big names are people like you and I i.e. real human beings who enjoy helping others and sharing our expertise and journey in order to help set others up for success. And that's the purpose of People First. So I'm looking forward to learning more about your journey and sharing it with our listeners. But I'm going to take you right back to the beginning, Colin. You're in primary school. You're doing your crayon scribbling. You've probably put the Ladybird book back on the shelf. I remember those. <laughs> um, what did you actually want to be when you grew up? What did you think you would be doing now, oh today? Boy, what a question. I've got, <laughs> I've got virtually no recollection of what I wanted to be. I guess it was sort of like from a work, very working class background, I had very um, limited understanding of what there was out in the world. And I certainly remember, and it's not necessarily directly answering a question, but sort of positioning where I came from is that, you know, when, when I was coming out of secondary school, which in the UK is sort of the end of normal education in those, those times, I hadn't even heard of university. You know, and it wasn't talked about not only in the family, but in my circle of friends and things like that. It was an unheard of. So it was really get to work, mate, you know, get on, earn a living. You know, okay. You need to do so. That was the whole social environment that I had, which was I didn't didn't quite sit comfortably with me because I wanted to do more and be more and be successful. So I remember one of the first books that I read, self development books, was Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, and I came out of that self study sort of ilk. I mean, I wasn't getting any professional education in those days, and you know, it was really just all guns blazing, trying to learn as much as I possibly could. And I think in that process, I started to get even more confused about all the different things I could do. Oh, I, I know. I look at my three sons who are now 19 and 22, and I kind of forget that at that age, I knew I either wanted to be an engineer or finance. But I look at them at that age and think, well, good grief, the world literally is your oyster. Asking somebody at 18 or 22 to narrow it down to a thing seems ridiculous. But of course, that was the way you and I were raised, is that you, you went into a career or a job usually for life-ish still at the time that we were entering the workplace. And then today in a knowledge economy, a digital economy, it is so very different. What about 19, 20 years? What about 49, 50 years, 69, oh. 70 years? The same question in my experience, because I coach hundreds of people, 
in all sort of different categories, regardless of the hierarchical level, it's, I don't know what I don't want to do with my future. I'm, I'm not sure which way to go. And there's so many people who are confused about what to do next. This is not the, 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 the territory of the people coming out of full-time education. It's this a lifelong territory. Is that what you're saying? We are always destined to not be sure, am I doing the right thing and what comes next? We are always prone to be mm. not sure. But with a good coach and with sort of good sort of inquiry and investigation, you need to try. I think everybody needs to try and narrow it down so that it informs their decision making process about what opportunity to take next. Okay. So, what was the pivot for you? When did you realize that you were skilled at the coaching, the influencing, the negotiation that is at the core of everything that you do? When I made people start to sweat. When you made um, people start to sweat? Yes, and the beads started coming out on their head as they started <laughs> to realise that they had somebody who was going to challenge them and really make them think about the things that they'd never thought before. And it may sound a bit of a funny way of describing it, but basically I knew that I was onto something a little bit different and a little bit unique as a coach. And I wouldn't say I'm an archetypal classic sort of definition of a coach, because I'm a lot more fluid and flexible than that. But when they were able to say, turn around to me and say, Colin, that's the question I have always known or didn't know that I really needed to answer, but now you ask it, I really need to find the answer to that. And I really need to put some effort and energy into trying to find that out. Or the other one, which was, I know it's a common phrase, is Colin, you've hit the nail on the head. That's what I need to, that's what I need to work on. That's what I need to do, or that's what's really sort of holding me back. And I think to be able to do that, sometimes within 10 minutes 15 minutes on a call is you know then I thought ah hang on a minute okay and that's where it, and then the numbers of people that I was working with just sort of kept growing and growing and growing and the, and the feedback because you know mm -hmm. I mean I recall what I mean in influential leadership one of the key points about that book is about results and getting things that are making a tangible difference in the environment where people are wanting to be successful yeah. to influence is to create change and to land change and to get results and I've always been passionate as a coach and saying so what are you trying to do differently what result are you trying to get here are you trying to get people to do this or that are you trying to land this business result or finish that project or get that initiative or program off the ground what is it you, what's the end product here now let's come back and say so what are the challenges here? What's getting in the way? What's not working? And so then it makes it very practical because we're always working on what matters most to them right now. What's in front? I love that. And in fact, that's so timely because I was on a call with Dr. Marshall Goldsmith and the 100 coaches where he was talking about that. And that as the number one executive coach, uh, his skill is calling us all on our BS. And we all have BS, that mind trash that says, well, I can't because, or they're going to think I'm pushy, or they know what I do. So they'll come to me when they're ready, as opposed to unashamedly saying, you know what, I'm good at what I do. And here's the value I can bring. And yes, you're going to gain. But also, so am I too, in terms of that mutual relationship. Mm. It's interesting. Well, I totally, totally agree with that. I mean, I've you know, written with Marshall as well in the past, and I think it's you know he's got a lot of real pearls of wisdom that will be enduring for centuries. I'm sure, a bit like Shakespeare, sort of going on in through the through the through the future. But you know what that reminds me of is one of the key tenets that I always work with people on is their assumptions, because mm -hmm. everything you've said there is based on an assumption you are yep. making for the subject. 
Yeah. And usually when we call that out and say, well, how do you know that's what they want? How do you know that's what they expect? Well, what can you do to find that out? Mm-hmm. Ask them. Build yeah. a relationship so they'll be honest with you and tell you what they're after. Because until you've got a firm fix on what the other side is trying to do or trying to achieve, anything you say or do is like shooting in the dark. Yeah, we're guessing and we're reacting and usually reacting to your point to our own stories, not the reality of what is. So best to ask the question, are we going to do this or not? Because whatever the answer, you can now move forward with confidence, either on to the next thing or forward on that project and, and client in conversation. Love it. it is right. I mean, that's right. And the other one, it goes further because I don't know whether you remember this blog post that I put out, oh, God knows, about five or six years ago. Are you gambling on agreement? Okay. Are you gambling on agreement? Because so many people in the cut and thrust of corporate life get a senior stakeholder to say, yeah, okay, we'll do it. And they just, whew, okay. But what did that person really mean by that? Yeah, and so what am I encouraging people in that small little blog post to do is don't just rest on your laurels that a yes means yes. A yes may mean something different to them, to you. So you've got to pressure test that yes. Well, what do you ex- what do you think you're saying yes to? What are you signing up to? What action are you going to take? Because mm-hmm. it's better to find out straight away that they didn't really mean the yes that you thought they did than yep. two months down the line. So again, more assumptions. More assumptions. So 2020 has turned into a leadership crucible for all of us, no matter what industry we're in. And it's that COVID curveball is what I wrote. Predictable surprise, maybe, but either way, it has upended many businesses and approaches and mindset to work. What are you observing in these first few months of work from home and how has it impacted the way you do your business? Um, well, there's a, that's a very big question and a lot of different parts to it. So let's try to pick a few bits out of there and see how, how we do. But what I'm observing is the beginnings of people latching on to the huge benefits they can gain from this right. scenario, this situation. The dust is starting to settle to a degree of, well, a, a progression of certainty. I mean, there's no, no total certainty, of course, and there's a lot of bad things have happened for, for, for sure. But things are starting to settle and companies that are going to survive are going to survive and that is becoming surer. But also there's been so much disruption to things like the value chains, the business mm-hmm. propositions, the market space, that the people who are going to be the front runners and the winners tomorrow are starting to latch on to what is going to be their unique proposition to the market or as individuals in their careers. So how can I, I don't, I mean, I don't particularly like or even necessarily understand the word pivot that you used earlier on, but how can I reposition myself in my career, in my industry or in the world, or in my life to maximize the opportunity here? And yeah, technology has come on so fast oh. in terms of its application. And yeah. I mean, one of my clients is really, well, it's, you know, in the NHS in the UK, and I do a lot of work with them. Two years ago, we tried to run a webinar for them. And we couldn't because they had so much mixed technology that was in use. And, yeah. half, and we gave up. Now, they're all, we're running completely on Teams at the leading edge of what Microsoft Teams can do because they've all got the same. It's all in there, and we're all using it, and it's actually working better than having uh-huh. 
Um, I'll go with you on that. I think I, I'll admit I was a complete skeptic cynic of virtual delivery, and it was a very small part of Sky Team's portfolio. We've certainly delivered programs for clients and leaders around the world, but most of it was face-to-face -face anchored by virtual. And of course, we've all been thrown in at the deep end. Table Stakes now is the mini film studio that I know you also have, you know, with the box lights and fancy cameras and everything. But now... It energizes me. The way do you, how do you drive engagement? And when we do it well, which we do at Sky Team, um, we've had clients who said, oh my goodness, I think we got more done in this than we would have done if we'd been in the hotel for the three-day strategic planning offsite. But going back to that word pivot, it's been frustrating me because right from the get-go, one of the key messages that I've been seeing and reading is we need to pivot, we need to pivot. And coming from a ballroom dancing maneuver, that's a complete 180. I mean, it's like, no, if we all end up pivoting, nobody's going to know what we need to do. But adjusting how we go to market using and leveraging technology is one thing. So talk to me a little bit about how you've changed your attitude and approach over the last few months in how you're showing up for your clients and followers. Yeah, I think, I mean, there's one key thought that I like to, put in people's mind that is really important when they're reflecting on where they are, be it in a company or in their career or just frankly in their life. And it's an observation that I would take a challenge from any, any business professor in the world on. And it's that the past can only tell us how we got here. The future needs to be made backwards. Okay, say that, that again. Hang on, say that again. The, the past can only tell us how we got here at best to create the future you've got to create it backwards so you've got to have that vision of what the world could be like detached from where we are right now mm -hmm. and our preconceived notions about what's feasible what works what's doable and really look out into the future of what could be so imagining getting creative and then starting to think that actually looks like it could be quite good I wonder if it, we could make it happen. Now, how might we start to make that happen and move towards it? And when you look at all of the meteoric rises of corporate enterprises over the last, well, forever, they've come from left field. You know, the Ubers of the world. Nobody mm -hmm. saw those coming, including the business studies professors and things like that, because they reached into the future, thought what could be do, could be, could be good, and started to create. And I think what I've done, and this is now coming to the answer, what I've done is I've done exactly that. I've said, well, never mind what's gone before. I can learn from it, and I know mm -hmm. what I like and don't like. I know where I am now, but where would I really like to be? If I detach from where I am right now, where would I really like to be? And obviously, I'm not going to go into huge amounts of detail, but that's allowed me to see radically different versions of what education might look like what training and development might, might look like, what executives might need in the future. And so I've got that very clear vision, and now I'm coming back to where I am right now and starting to plan forward again. With that as the where I'd really love it to go, where I think environment, because I'm a strategic thinker and corporate strategist in, in the past as well. My last proper job was corporate strategy. Um, so now you're starting to think, okay, so if that's where I dearly liked, the environmental conditions make sense as that is a future that could happen, a scenario that could happen. And how can I start to reposition myself to prepare for that? And one of the ones which we touched on in the, in, in the, in the green room or whatever before we, we press the record button was really looking at 
um, this whole thing about selling services and selling ourselves to a, to a marketplace and, and all of that. And I've stepped back from that. I mean, I'm, I'm there, I'm visible, and people know what I do. And I, I, my job now, I see my, my, my service is putting my thoughts out there for people to take up. And the ones who are going to be the future people will notice. They will be picking that up. I don't have to, I mean, I would even challenge, and I haven't done this yet, but I'm in my model, not taking a coaching client unless they're paying for a substantial amount of it for themselves. Mm-hmm. Skin in you the know, game. Skin in the game, because you and I both know as coaches that those that have got the greatest interest will do the most mm-hmm. with it. And so actually forcing, turning tables and saying, look, no, the future is those that pick up the opportunities, those that make something of it, those that are prepared to invest in their future personally, they're the ones who will be the implementers, not the people that just rock up for a course. Yeah. And then forget the it. Even the best course in the world can't force people to implement. But if people are motivated, because most of my development has been self-driven. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I pick, I've realized, okay, what do I need to learn here? How am I going to learn it? Get on and learn it. Bang, off we go. What next? So when you're working with the executives, what are some of those challenges and new skills that you see are going to be critical for them and the future? Sure. I mean, I think some of the things that, you know, sort of crystallizing what I've just been talking about, but this, the ability to be able to take seriously radical perspectives. Okay. So you mean differing perspectives or just new? A variety, a variety of different perspectives, but it is almost like an emotional, psychological skill to be able to step aside from your preconceived notions about how you should look at a problem and start to look at it from a completely different angle. That's not to say it's right or wrong. It's just there to stimulate your thinking. And if you've got any problem in front of you and you can adopt three, four, five radically different perspectives to look at the problem, you will, and if you've got a team who can do this as well, so much better, you can get the maximum creativity starting to flow through. Because if you remember the idea about you've got to make the future backwards, mm-hmm. you sort of get out there and then start to create, you've got to, you've got to really tap into this creativity, particularly at a time when so much is unknown. Because, I mean, an analogy I have used, which is a bit of a weird one, but it's almost like, certainty is there to be created by the front runner and so the people who can powerful, get running yeah powerful, another powerful statement so again certainty is created by the front runner yeah because they start to shape reality and this is not getting all metaphysical or woo-woo but if you imagine a horse race and i know you're from the uk so you're familiar with the analogy and the runners and riders are jumping up and down raring to go to win the race but suddenly there's no rail to follow. So they haven't got a course to run. Mm -hmm. So it's a bit more like a steeplechase and what have you. And then somebody starts to make a bolt in one direction. Somebody gets a degree of certainty. Well, what do they know that we don't know? Yeah. And the field starts to race behind them, thinking, well, if they know, now all we've got to do is beat Mm -hmm. them. So it almost starts to create a level of certainty that becomes self-fulfilling. So in a way, the people who can create the level of certainty that everybody else latches onto fastest will probably be in a pole position to be able to win the race when the, when the finishing line starts to come into, into view. 
That reminds me of a book I read a few years ago, Blue Ocean Strategy. Does that ring a bell? I've heard of the book, but I've not read it. I've oh, yeah. Read it. I think I'm going to have to go and reread it because that was all about not, not necessarily following the crowd, but creating those new opportunities. But I've not really made that connection. Yes. Who's to argue if you are the first in that area and that first approach, to your point, you shape reality that then others follow. So go in believing it to be the true. Power, if you've got the yeah. power and the influence to get the attention of the other runners. So, so how, how do you define power and influence? Say that again, sorry. How do, you, how do you define power and influence? Power is the capacity to influence. And it works okay. in physics as well as in human relationships. You have that innate power, perhaps because of your character, your credentials, your qualifications, your position. That gives you a certain capacity to influence other people. And influence is people doing things differently, thinking differently, or feeling differently. And so that creates an output. So it's a very tangible thing. So it's not something you just go about influencing all over the place. You then get focused on, what do I want that group over there to do differently or to feel differently? And now how can I come back and say, so what power have I got? What capacity have I got that can start to move in that direction? And if I haven't got what I need, how can I get it? See, I like it because it's about being deliberate and thoughtful. It's not Machiavellian. And it's for as much as you work at the C-suite level, this is everybody. I mean, I think back to influencing my brother when we were young and influencing my brother now that we are allegedly adults. We are all influencing at home, at work, socially, but most of us are doing it without deliberate thought as to what's in it for me and them and us and how do I do it in a way that maintains and grows the relationship. And that's, a, that's key because I've got down some very clear um, ethics to put behind all of the work that I do, which is I'm not going to enumerate all of them because you can go and search for them on the net. But my ethics of influence and five rules to live by is all about helping people to make good decisions. All right. So, so tell us about those ethics then, because so, I think, so it, again, people lose sight of them. It's a process. Influence is a process. Somebody has to go through a process to decide to do something differently. They have to make those calculations. So there's a, there's a process there. It's just that most people don't understand it or can't see it. And maybe we can't even see it ourselves a lot of the time. But if you refer to the, set, the, the, the work of salespeople, and particularly consultative selling in the corporate sector, it is about understanding the client's problem, understanding where they are in their recognition and awareness, their selection of solutions, and their decision to actually choose a particular provider. That's a sales process. That's a, that's a process of being influenced. And we each as individuals, as we're making a decision how to respond to an attempt to influence or a source of power, will go through a process similar to that, where we've got to work out, we've got to find the information, we've got to get, get the details. But the problem is, most influences in the world right now are doing it in a way that's biased. So they're only presenting one side of the argument. Okay. So even, in, I mean, you mentioned COVID. So even when you look at the presentations from the, the presidents and the leaders and the, the scientists, they're, they're presenting their opinions as if they were facts based on partial data to support the agenda. All right, that's quite a strong, perhaps quite a strong statement, but they are, present, they are trying to influence in a way that doesn't give us full information, 
doesn't allow us to make a, a, a good, solid decision based on our situation because we're not being presented with unbiased data, with unbiased facts in which to actually make a sound decision for us. The problem that leads to, and this is applies to all forms of influence, is that if I make a decision based on your attempt to influence me in a biased way, and then later I find out that you didn't tell me about something else, how am I going to feel about you? How am I going to feel about the decision that I made? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what I encourage people to do is really look at how they are helping people to make informed decisions that happen to be mutually beneficial. And then you've got enduring relationships, you've got enduring influence, you've got influence they'd be really revved up to do. And then they'll get on and do it and you'll magnify your influence in that way. But easier said than done, but that helps to alleviate some of the problems. And I would argue, gives you if you can do this, gives you an unfair advantage against all the Machiavellian mm -hmm. characters who are only giving a one-sided story. Yeah, well, as you know, in my book, Cultivate, I talk about the concept of allies, and that's the mutual success, and who's got you back, good days and bad days. And there's still competition, but it's at the how do we raise the bar together and learn and grow versus a win-lose, which is the Machiavellian approach. And I don't know if you've read it, but Simon Sinek's recent book, The Infinite Game, talks about the difference between thinking about with abundance and generosity but versus finite game, which is invariably selfish and hoarding, and it's all about me. And what you're saying here is, no, you can influence to the best of our ability, even with incomplete data, when we are genuine and candid and transparent of what we do and don't know. You run a risk that they might not do what you want them to do. You also run a risk, they may respect you and do it anyway. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really important because we're all allegedly grown-ups in this world and realize we can't always have things our own way. And if somebody comes to us and say, look, this is how it will benefit you. These could be the drawbacks. We might be able to mitigate some of those drawbacks, but on balance, we need you to take one for the team on this one. Yeah. It's an honest, authentic approach. But you're going to take a hit on that, but how can we compensate in some other way? Let's talk about that. Because we yep. really need to do it for the greater greater good of the organisation, something like that. You know, having adult-to-adult -adult conversations and bringing in the, in the old transactional analysis, I think, is also pertinent here. So as you reflect on the year so far, what do you hope is the one thing that we take away from this 2020 experience? Well, I mean, part of the way I've articulated the shift that I've made is that my number one purpose in life now, in life, not, not professionally, not in work, just in life as a whole, and it really resonates with what you've just asked me there, is um, helping people to develop an independent heart and mind. And I think there is so much confusion out there, so much attempt strong powerful influencers out there if people can use this as an opportunity to begin to acquire the skill of critical thinking of detaching their emotions from the maelstrom that is the mainstream media you know and the facebook and things like, uh, you know all of that if you can find a way to be independent of heart so you're not played by other people's emotions or what's coming through the airways. And you can use that space to think critically about how what's going on has consequences for you. The world will be a better place.
the more people that can find that, I think the better. And that's one of the reasons why I just turned, turned pivoted, if you like to call it, but refocused, mm-hmm. re-energized what I'm doing for the world um, in my modest way to actually encourage, encourage people to make good decisions. Yeah. At the end of the day. Well, Colin, I, I appreciate your insights today. I'm honored to call you an ally and an advocate and vice versa. And so and as people are listening in, how can they get a hold of you and how can they learn more about how they can influence and step into their own power appropriately? Okay. Well, as, as you know, I'm quite prolific when it comes to blogging and books. So just Google the name if you can spell it right. <laughs> You know, would be, would be one one way. But the main home I've got of my content is learntoinfluence.com. Okay. And over there at the moment, there's a, a free offer of Taking Control, which is a short seven-day course that people who are just stuck and not, not knowing which way to turn, within seven days, 15 minutes a day, can start to nail some really big improvements in where they're focused. So you can go and get that. Um, but, but also follow me on LinkedIn because I post quite a lot on LinkedIn of the articles that I'm writing and the, the provocations and really trying to, trying to get people thinking differently and realising there's something different that they could be, you know, sort of moving on as they move on their journey towards being a little bit more independent. So learntoinfluence.com will be the best place or go and have a look at uh, LinkedIn. Find me on LinkedIn. Just search. I'm, I'm the only Colin Gautry in the world, I think, that's uh, <laughs> going to be all over the place. <laughs> well, Colin, thank you again. I'll make sure all of that information is in the show notes around this video and in the transcript for the podcast. So thank you again. My pleasure. And keep up the good work, Moraka. So what you're contributing as well is magic. It's so people need to be looking at what you've done, the work that you've done. And, you know, I will certainly testify that it's really good stuff. So well done, you as well. Thank you so much for joining Morag today. If you enjoyed the show, please like and subscribe so you don't miss a thing. If you learned something worth sharing, share it. Cultivate your relationships today when you don't need anything before you need something. Be sure to follow Sky Team and Morag on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you have any ideas about topics we should tackle, interviews we should do, or if you yourself would like to be on the show, drop us a line at info at skyteam.com. That's S-K-Y-E team.com. Thanks again for joining us today. And remember, business is personal and relationships matter. We are your allies.